Hello and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. Before I jump into the show, I'd just like to say that our other show from Mecco Radio, Dear Subjects, is coming back this Friday. We're excited. We've revamped the format a little bit, and you can find that wherever you get your shows. We talk about the history, the economics, the politics, and the culture of a young and fictional nation, a place where we can have civil and important discussions about serious subjects without the labels of the real world. It's going to be pretty interesting, and we're excited to get going with it again. Now, as for today's episode, I'm joined by one of my best and oldest friends, Logan Crane. Logan and I have known each other for ever, for as long as my memory goes back. So I'm really looking forward to sharing this conversation with you. But remember, more importantly than listening to this show, please take some time today to listen intently to the people around you. Logan Crane, welcome to My Wax Museum. Hello, thanks. Uh, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. I like your uh, soft-spoken radio voice. Yes, Very I, cute. I put it on just for you. I love it. Uh, so let's start with how we know each other, Logan. Uh, okay, well, we know each other through being members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which wow. you can attend every Sunday at your closest chapel. Okay, well, <laughs> thanks, Logan. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's trying now. Um, okay, so do you have like a first memory of when we first met or how we I, first met? I do, I do. So we were at a uh, young men's, oh no, it was a, father a son. father-son camp and uh, you had been sticking a stick in the fire and then you stabbed me in the back with it. Which I don't remember doing. No, because you were too young. Yeah. So I remember it I mean, well, that, that should say, I was a little baby, basically. I was a kid. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just playing with fire. Well, that's why I forgave you. And I appreciate it. And now we're friends. Yes. We bonded over that. Yes. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so my first memory of you, though, I remember you and Mitchell getting badges in Cubs and thinking, those guys are cool, and I want to be like them. I want to get badges like the Crane Twins. (laughs) And then when you grow up and you see someone with all those badges, you think, what? How much time did they waste on (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I think I threw out all my badges. I don't have any any of my Cubs or Scouts stuff anymore. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened with mine either. Yeah, but, uh, but I really looked up to you because you had all that. Cool. You were like you were like the grown up guy who like did all this cool stuff. You were ten. And I just thought that was so cool. That's so grown up. Yeah, you were awesome, man. What happened? I became a dad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> eventually. Um, so, and you're, you're, you're from Calgary. I am from Calgary. Have you lived here your whole life? I have lived here my whole life. Okay. (laughs) And how, what do you think of Calgary? Uh, I think it is filled with terrible drivers. Uh, 
it's a nice city to live in with the cleanest water I've tasted. You go somewhere else, you taste that water, you think someone took a dump in it, <laughs> I guess. It, it's not good. Cardston water tastes like sulfur. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, the, the best part about Calgary is our water. We do have really good water, actually. That's true. Um, did you ever go on the field trip that I did it in grade eight, the field trip where you like go down the river, you go rafting down the river and you like test the water? No, I did okay. not. We did that. And yeah, it has very clean water. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so let, let's kind of, you mentioned being a dad. Why don't you tell me what that's like? Okay. Well, right now she is the baby, baby Amelia is almost six months old and so she's sleeping and everything is great it's my fault when i don't get enough sleep nowadays i i can blame it on her all i want yeah i I still do sometimes so she actually sleeps like pretty well now yes she does 10 hours a night apparently which is just wow just blows my mind that's a miracle yeah but the story of Amelia's birth. We were in the hospital for a full week, I think. It was like five days or something like that. Um, because Megan needed You'll to get... want to speak into the Sorry, mic. sorry. Yeah. I get distracted. <laughs> My baby's right behind me. Yeah. Uh, we were in the hospital for five days. And um, Megan needed to get induced because... She, the baby was measuring fairly large in her belly. Okay. And Megan is not a large person. No, she's not. Um, and so we went in there for for five days. They they were doing all this stuff. They, it was not working uh, to loosen up the cervix. I'm not going to get into that. But uh, uh, I have a picture of a weapon that they used to stick a, a balloon in her. Anyway, it's called a Foley. Um were you there the whole time? Yes. Like yes. watching this? And they told me to go home, but I didn't. Because nobody wow. should go through that by themselves. But, um, yeah, Amelia was born and we went into it with no sleep at all. That yeah. whole week was just madness. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Amelia only sleeps if you're holding her and she sleeps for an hour at a time mm-hmm. when she's born. So... Lack of sleep, yeah, it was horrible. I had to book three weeks off because it was a C-section. So that was all just crazy yeah. for the first three weeks. And then I went back to work, and I and I would stay up sometimes to hold Amelia for Megan because it was rough. She she was still recovering. Yeah. And then I went into work late sometimes because I slept in. It was just, yeah, tiring. The, yeah. the most tired I've been ever for yeah. a long period of time so like leading up to it like i guess did you feel mentally prepared for that like for fatherhood for yeah for fatherhood for like having this experience the lack of sleep like that change no i was ready for it i actually the reason why i became a plumber was because we found out megan was pregnant yeah i probably wouldn't be a plumber and i'm going to school in a couple of days to for my raise my next year up right so um none of that would have happened if megan didn't get pregnant 
Right, right. And so, so like that was kind of your way of preparing, like really getting it together and getting ready to have this baby. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Like I wasn't ready to have a baby when she got pregnant. Yeah. But uh, uh, a lot of stuff led up to where I am right now because she got pregnant and uh, we're, in a, we're in a better home and I've got a nice job. So fatherhood has been great. I love my daughter so much. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I would hope so. Um, Sometimes you want to throw her, but you, <laughs> but, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you don't want to throw your baby. <laughs> you just want it to be quiet. <laughs> and we do don't you... have chloroform in the cupboard. <laughs> okay. Megan has like the most appalled face like what is wrong with you you, you have you have to make this enjoyable for the listeners okay <laughs> there's a reason you go to work <laughs> uh so like emotionally what was the what was the shift like bringing home a baby uh the shift for sorry. like you like uh for for how you felt about life or how you felt about um, your home and like everything, everything that you do. Um, I don't know. Well, I, I would work for 10 days and come home exhausted. So there wasn't really much like I would get home and hold the baby while Megan had a break. Right. So I'd, I'd go, I'd wake up at five thirty cause I worked in the North. I worked North of the airport for nine months and I would come home, hold the baby. So Megan could have a break and then, mm -hmm we would go to sleep yeah and uh very little sleep mind you mm -hmm. but uh that's basically the routine yeah hmm. i it's it, it's interesting for me seeing my friends grow Pop up some babies and have some babies yeah 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 that's interesting and then um like what's been the coolest thing about being a dad uh Recently, she has started reaching, and uh, it is the cutest thing, and it feels so good Be when you put your arms out to your baby, and she leans over with her arms out so that you can take her. It's like she's finally starting to love you <laughs> instead of just sit there and smile or yeah or cry or anything like that. Huh. And what was it? What was it like the first time that you held her? Oh, um, we were in the operating room at the hospital and, uh, they pulled her out and they wrapped her up. And then, uh, I think the first time I, s they, they gave her to me in this, in these blankets and this weird sock hat. Hmm. And, uh, I, I, I did shed some tears because yeah. I was just so happy that my little girl was safe and finally out of Megan. Like I said, that week was terrible. So it was right. like a big relief that the baby was uh, healthy and safe. Yeah. And uh, I just thought there was nothing more precious. And that sounds so cheesy, but it's true. Yeah. You can't explain it until you go through it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe someday I'll I'll have a baby and I'll interview myself and say the same thing someday and and i i sure hope that that uh 
that day comes. No, you know what? Edit that part out. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Some, sometimes I forget that I have a filter, and then I remember, oh, I have a filter. I need to use it. <laughs> Maybe I don't say that. Um, and then I guess kind of leading up, leading up to you being a dad, because that's where you're at now. Um, like, what, what was life for you like growing up? Uh, school was horrible. I got bullied a lot. Really? Yeah. How come? Uh, don't know. Really? Just yeah. senseless, needless? Needless. It was, I would say something at school and somebody would flip it and turn it into like I was saying something stupid and meaningless. And so I just didn't speak for years at school. Really? Mm-hmm. I, uh, went to the gym all the time after grade, uh, it, I was, I was in grade six. I was 12 years old when I started going to the gym because I was so sick of it. Right. So for a while I was the strongest guy, but nobody really, I didn't share anything with anyone. I, I went to wrestling and I got, go I was a gold medalist wrestler. Right. So I just focused on that. But, uh, I just had a, a select few group of friends and uh kept quiet at school yeah so in working out like going to the gym that was your way of um like dealing with being bullied and kind of getting out of being bullied is yeah. that kind of it, what it was it was definitely a motivation to go to the gym yeah interesting it's not who i am now like i don't i don't have time to go to the gym anymore right i have so many other hobbies now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, growing up was not fun. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I remember you going to the gym all the time. Like, it was a constant, that's what Logan did, you know, outside of school. Um, do you think, like, did it help? Did it help with the bullying and with your confidence and dealing with that stuff? No, because they always did it in groups. So it never changed anything, no matter how big I got. Yeah. Uh, I still remember their names to this day. That's how frustrating it was. Really? But um, we don't need to disclose those. No, 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 no. But, like, I guess, I guess looking back, um, if, you, if you saw little Logan now, what, like, would you say anything? Would you give any advice? Like, what, what would you do to try and deal with the situation now? Nothing I could say would affect anything, I think. Really? If I, you can't tell a kid in high school that none of it matters. Right. Because they're going through it. Right. Of course, we know now that nothing that happens in high school and junior high matter. Right. Like, I don't see any of those guys anymore. Right. I don't talk to them. I don't know what they're doing. But uh, I know what I'm doing right now. Right. So they, they are out of my life. I didn't need them. Right. But they were in my life in high school, making my life a living hell, basically. Yeah. Um, so you can't give a teenager advice and just tell them, uh, it'll all go away and nothing matters. Right. But uh, you can tell them that they're not going to be there forever. Right. You can tell them that they... Uh, that things will get better, those people will go away, 
and you will move on eventually. Yeah. And then, do you, like, did you have any of that perspective when you were there, when you were a teenager? No. No, it I was, didn't. It was just, this is what is, and this is my life. Yeah, and I never knew why they treated me that way. Hmm. I uh, didn't do anything to them. Yeah. I was actually friends with them in grade one, in grade two. Really? And then, I don't know what happened. It was just, they just get clicky and, you know, right. you know what happens to kids. Right. Interesting. And, um, like, when did you feel like things started to change? Oh, when I got a job for the first time. I worked yeah? at the movie theater, and that's where I gained confidence. That was where uh, people actually showed that they wanted to be around me and that I felt cool. Uh I became, yeah, that, that place was big for me. Really? Because you worked there for a while, right? Yes, too how, long. How long? Too long. Too uh, long. <laughs> I think I worked there. I worked that job and another job for years and years. So I started there at 17, and I quit that job when I was 21, I think. Yeah. I think I was 21 or 22. 21. Megan says 22. Um, but I worked at a furniture warehouse as their manager. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what the place is called, but I hated it. They did not treat me well there. Really? But um, I would work there, and then I'd go straight to the movie theater. I'd work um, about... I would work from 9 to 5... And then from 6 till 1 a.m. or 2 a.m., depending Holy on cow. when that finished. And then I'd do the same thing. Now, six months later, I got a job at Green Drop. Yeah. And I worked there for a long time as well. I was there for like five or six years. Yeah. Uh, and when I started at Green Drop, it was all commissioned. So I would start – I would still work at the movie theater afterwards too. Yeah. So I would sometimes start at 6 a.m. or even 5.30 a.m., so that I could get done in time to get to the movie theater. So I'd work from 5.30 to 6 a.m. all the way until 1 or 2 a.m., depending on when that finished. And I would do that Monday through Friday, and then on Saturday I would work one shift at the movie theater, and then Sunday I had the day off. So I was working uh, close to 80 hours a week, yeah, sometimes more, yeah. in five days plus a part-time shift on Saturday. So yeah. it was just my weeks were so busy and filled with nothing. And so you said that work. that's like when things started to shift for you on like the bullying and self-confidence kind of. Oh, no, that, that all shifted when I, was seven, when I was 17. I started right. working. The bullying bothered me less because I knew that I had a other, another right. place you to had, go okay. where, where people cared about me. Right, right. So that bullying was done by then pretty yeah, much. Yeah, and then like, you were out of high school, and then that's when you started working a Yeah, lot. when I was 17, 18, I was, I was 17 in grade 11, 18 in grade 12. Yeah. The bullying still happened, but it didn't matter as much because I had somewhere else to go. Right. Um, but the, the biggest change in my life was working almost 80 hours a week within a six-day period. Yeah. What did that do? Uh, that made me fairly hard actually yeah it made me uh 
I just felt like, like beaten down and especially at that warehouse. Yeah. They didn't care about me. They didn't, they would, it was, it was a pretty abusive, um, place to work. Actually, they would tell me that that's where I need to be, but then they would tell me to do six things. I would do four of them. And then they'd tell me where, why isn't everything done? And they didn't give me enough time. And it was just on a daily basis. And right. then, and their kids were there too. So they, they're they're They homeschool their kids mm-hmm. and their kids would talk to me because they're in their warehouse. Yeah. What are they going to do? They're going to see a guy working there. They're going to try to talk to him. So I would talk to them. I actually, I didn't want kids until I met them. Really? They were really sweet kids. Hmm. Um, very, very sweet kids. Um, but uh, one day, they were talking to me for a while, and I was doing stuff. I was still lifting chairs. I was supposed to organize their chair section. Okay. And um, I was just in the back. And they would ask me stuff about, like, if I had a girlfriend. And I would tell, I'd tell them I used to, and they'd smirk because they, they were all girls, so they mm-hmm. thought that stuff was really funny. Uh, and then the next day, my bosses to- talked to me about talking to their kids too much or something stupid like that. Hmm. But they bring their kids to work. Right. And uh, it was really frustrating because because they would tell me to like take five minutes off and go and help them build a fort or something like that at work. And then... And then I'm supposed to just stop talking. Like, I, like I'm doing something wrong, right. but I'm not. I'm just working, and their kids are there. Right. It, that place really uh, made me realize that some of the jobs outside of school were just as bad <laughs> hmm. as school. <laughs> and they were grown. They were grown-ups. They had their own right. little small business. Right. So so how then, like, how, how do you... Um, how do you find good jobs then? Um, you go to university. <laughs> but you're still going to find like, you know, nasty grown-ups, right? Yeah. yeah. Like I'm, I'm going for plumbing, but I'm doing that so that I could have my own business eventually. Right. Right now I have to deal with nasty nasty men who have potty mouths and you know right talk like there's no consequences but uh eventually i'll have my own business and i will be successful right and so what do you like what do you do then uh when you have your own business to to make the environment different than at these at these other businesses and at school however the environment and the people can be negative, what do you do um, as a business owner to make it not so? Oh, you're not around anyone. <laughs> if you're a business owner, as a... So I've met other plumbers with their own businesses. Mm-hmm. They pretty much work solo. Right. Aside from being able to talk to people, which I have lots of experience with. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was at Green Drop, if there was an unhappy customer... Uh, I would always be the one sent out to talk to them and to fix the problem. Uh, I would make 40 calls a day. Uh, I have lots of experience with customer service and all that stuff. So um, 
my father-in-law convinced me to become a plumber actually because he thought that I was a very personable person. Yeah. And uh easy to talk to. Yeah. And that those are all good things to have when you're a plumber with your own business. Yeah. So you'd like to have like a small operation. Yeah. But if it does get big enough, of course, I would I mean that's I would nice branch too. Out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd branch out. Um but I would not screw anybody over at the ex- like I would not um at the expense of, of an employee, I would not take advantage of them. Right. Because I've had plenty of that, and I know how it feels. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. And how do you, like, say, you know, 15 years down the road, you've have, you have, like, a small operation and things are expanding. How do you make sure that like your employees are being well taken care of like what do you what do you do um you just make sure that their work conditions are are um okay so in order to make sure that your employees are happy Mm -hmm. you need to make sure that they have a clear view of what they're getting paid and why yeah because when you're running to the grocery store to get your boss bottle nipples as work uh, and you're supposed to be organizing a warehouse that doesn't make any sense you don't really know what you're doing there plus you're using your own money for that right Um, so you make sure that they know what they're getting paid and why and you make sure that they have everything that they need to do their job right and that's pretty much what would make somebody happy to go to work right that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's it almost always comes down to pay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, what? Um, I guess based on all these experiences, um, like the way, the way that you've had to work with people who who have maybe made things more difficult for you than they needed to be. Um, has that like, has that made you stronger? Like what, what kind of effect has that had on you? Uh, I actually think it has had a negative effect on me. Really? (laughs) I would. (laughs) I, I remember being the sweetest boy, the nicest guy, you know, I would always be thinking about how, uh, how to make somebody else feel better. Right. Right now, if I ask somebody at work, if I say to somebody, have a good weekend, and they say to me, uh, what if I don't want to? Or, Did they or say don't that? tell me what to do. Yeah, they, they said, don't tell me how my weekend should be. <laughs> I, When you're first year at a construction site, people don't really show as much respect to you. Yeah. I, I remember... The other day, I was walking, and somebody turned around, and he's like, oh, sorry. And I said, that's all right. And he's like, that better be all right, Logan, because he realized, oh, it's Logan, not somebody else. Right. So when that stuff when that stuff happens on a daily basis, you really start to feel like, why am I telling these people to have a good day? Why right. am I 
going out of my way to make their lives comfortable when they're being rude. Right. And it's it's been a slow process. Uh, it was worse when I was getting taken advantage of at work. Right now, I'm not t- getting taken advantage of at work. I'm right. quite happy with my company. Even if they just give me the crappy jobs, I'm happy to do it because I'm building towards something. I'm right. putting hours towards my plumbing career. I go to school, I get my raise, and then I get to I get to push forward onto actual plumbing things. Right. So, um, yeah, the work is fine, but the people when you get when you get beat down over and over and over for doing your job or for right for being nice to somebody it uh it has a negative effect on you yeah so how do you how do you push back against that how do you like maintain a positivity within yourself uh somebody actually the other day i was working under this journeyman mm-hmm. or i was working with this journeyman and he was showing me the ropes with gas and uh running gas throughout a building okay and we were i was i was talking to him and i was i was i asked him uh i said alan it was something along the lines of um like do people find it weird to be nice to them or like positive to them or ask them questions or you know i just i would sit in the lunchroom and and ask guys questions and they would look at me funny so i said alan what is it weird do people just find it weird and uh and he told me you just have to be um he said you have to be careful with with the construction business because if you share too much of yourself with people, they can take advantage of it. And he said, um, you're a super genuine guy. You're actually probably the most genuine guy I've ever met. Hmm. And when he said that, it made me, um, like it didn't click something in my brain, but it made me realize um, that I'm doing something right. If I'm still coming off as genuine, even though people are, not taking it the right way hmm. like they they shouldn't be taking it any way other than i'm being nice to them but because they do right you know it doesn't matter hmm. i i told myself at, at the beginning of plumbing when i first went in into uh to my job i promised myself that i wasn't going to change any of my values based on where i was working and some people think that a challenge to make me swear or any of that stuff, I have not. Throughout the whole year of, of being in a construction site, I have I have kept my mouth clean. I have um, not joined in with inappropriate talking. So it's... Uh, that's not really that hard to do either because of who I am and right. what, I, what I, how I was raised and what kind of guy I want to be, what kind of man and father and a husband and all that stuff. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, when, when people tell you, when they notice that, that you are different, 
and you're acting different. Yeah. That's when you know that you're doing the right thing. Hmm. Especially in that kind of work environment. Yeah. And so, um, tell me what, like, people looking from the outside, looking at you, what, what kind of man would you like to be described as? Uh, I would like to be described as uh, hardworking, kind. Uh, how many words do you want? Okay. As many as you want. You can <laughs> Pretty, use full paragraphs I, if you want. From my experiences, number one is hardworking. I know that shouldn't come first. Being kind or whatever should be first, but that's basically my life. And it has been for, well, since I graduated high school. Um, yeah, kind, uh, em empathetic. Hmm. Like when I see somebody and they look like they're not doing so good, I always ask them, what's going on? Do you want to talk about it? Hmm. And if... Uh... If baby Amelia could talk, what do you think she'd describe you as? Oh, um, I don't know. <laughs> I... Well, she's got a big smile looking at you. Oh, I, I don't know, but I love my baby. And um, I think she'd think I was a good daddy. Yeah, definitely. I um, I have put a lot of effort into her. Yeah. And uh, last question. We'll make it. It's a shorter episode because we've got uh, some hobbies to get to um, tonight. Um. But last question, at the end of your life, say you're 100, 150, whatever, um, what, what would you like to look back on fondly? At the end of my life? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm not at the end of my life. I'm at the start of it. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. I honestly don't know that uh, that answer. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks for joining <laughs> me, Logan. Yes, yes, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening, not just to this show, but to the people around you. Take some time today to listen intently to the people in your life. <laughs>